0: And with that news of of him knowing everything about her, all that she's ever done, she goes back to her Samaritan village and tells everybody there that they need to meet this guy named Jesus. So they do, right? And on hearing Jesus, they believe in him. They actually believe he's the Savior of the world, which is an amazing thing. So then we ended last week by talking about these two days he departed for Galilee and the prophet is not worthy of honor in his own hometown and how that refers us back to the fact that the Jews do not receive Jesus even though he is a, the Jewish Messiah. We talk about how he's the creator of the world and yet the world that he created rejects him. He's the Jewish Messiah and yet the Jewish people reject him. So he comes and his own people reject him, which is in stark contrast to the Samaritans who are not Jews, right? Or they're half-breeds, and they don't reject him, but they believe in him, okay? So John is kind of studying this contrast, and this is something we are going to see throughout the gospel, is that the people who are supposed to reject Jesus end up Except. accepting, and the people who should be welcoming him kill him, okay? And this is actually this, this kind of strange story that goes through the gospel, Okay? Any questions from last week or any thoughts? You guys seem tired this morning. What's up with that? Are we tired? I know you're still confused by the gospel reading. It's okay. We'll talk about that later. If I, if I talk about that now, we'll never get to John 4. Okay, John 4. So let's read 46 through 54. Okay, thank you very much. So, how are we returning to the beginning of this section? How does John tell us to go back and reread the beginning? The section is in this chapter, or the section is in. Exactly. Remember, John's not writing the little chapter marks. So, how do we know what the beginning of the section is? What's that? Right, because we're going to mention Cana and Galilee again. So what John is telling you is go back to the beginning of chapter 2 and read about a wedding that takes place in chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And now he says, so again, he came to Cana in Galilee. You are going to notice these things or, or I'm going to remind you to notice these things as you read the Gospel of John. John does this. He will mention something that might not actually have anything to do with the story he's telling, but it's in order to get you to go back to the beginning of that section. And this is actually how you know how to read the Gospels. He will remind you of sections. Okay? I want to show you one just for fun, just because we're all friends here. So, go to the end of John chapter 10. The end of John 10, which you could go to 11.1 and then just look back one verse, which is really fun. It's actually 10.40. John chapter 10, verse 40. Yeah, read it out loud. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John... And had baptized, had been baptized. I'm sorry, can That's fine. Just make it up as you go along. <laughs> had been baptized at first, and there he remained. Yeah, so John the Baptist has nothing to do with this story. Why is he saying this? Because this is the end of the first half of the gospel. How did the first half of the gospel start? With John baptizing In the Jordan. Okay? Now, so now we're going to start into the second half of the gospel. Well, what story starts the second half of the gospel? No, second half. Lazarus, this guy who dies and rises. How do you think the second half of the gospel is going to end? There's going to be a story about a guy who dies and rises. Isn't that weird? There's also going to be a witness in the second half of the Gospel that's going to tell you the truth about Jesus. His name is... not John, he's dead. Thomas. We haven't met him yet in the first half of the Gospel. He is a new character introduced in Chapter 11 for the first time. And we're going to learn in the second half of the Gospel to listen to Thomas, who is getting it all wrong when we first meet him, But he will make the greatest confession of the entire gospel at the end. He will say to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And you are to join him in that confession. Even if you have doubts, even if you don't believe, even if you don't understand, when you look at Jesus, the Spirit will drive you to say, my Lord and my God. So this is the way this gospel actually works is he will have all these little things that kind of, when you read it, you go, why are you mentioning that? Well, the reason he's mentioning it is you supposed to go back and figure out where he said it before, okay? And when you do, you say, oh, he's, he's recapitulating. He's helping us remember and he's seeing it as a unit, okay? Nothing in the gospel of John is said by accident and nothing is said without a reason that will be fulfilled on the cross, Everything in the Gospel of John will be fulfilled in the cross and the resurrection. Just wait. Okay? Does that make sense? So so there's this great literary device that John keeps using. It's actually called Inclusio. Um, and, and oddly enough, Aristotle told us to use this. But it it is a circle it's a way to write in a circle so you're always going back and recapitulating what you're doing and reminding your readers okay so we're going to go back to cana and galilee now look what happens do you remember do you remember the whole water into wine thing do you remember what happens jesus and his disciples are invited to a wedding and they get there and there's no wine and who says what to jesus his mother who is never named in this gospel we don't know her name right just the mother of jesus walks up and says to jesus throw out a wine and he goes what do I care what is that to me woman and then what does he say for my hour has not yet come okay now just for a second suspend your reason and just believe this is true so now we have a man walking up to Jesus and saying there's a problem and Jesus says what do I care I didn't come for that. See how it goes? So this man walks up to Jesus and says, Come down, for my son is at the point of death. And Jesus says, Unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. What? Is that how Jesus is supposed to answer? Isn't he supposed to be really concerned and upset and have compassion and be kind? guy walks up and says, I believe you can heal my son who's dying. And Jesus goes, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. (laughs) The disciples are like, no, 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 no. This is an opportunity for witness. You don't understand, right? See, Jesus is not saying what you think he's going to say, just like the wedding at Cana. He's saying, it's not about this. There's something greater coming. My hour has not yet come. Signs and wonders are only signs they're not actually the thing themselves. There's something greater that I came to do. I didn't come to be a medical missionary to the. To, oh wait. <laughs> See, and that's the point. Is that's not what we're doing down there? There's something greater. We're always saying, yeah, that's nice, but there's something greater. There's something greater. God's at work, but there's something larger going on here. And his name is Jesus, and it's his death and his resurrection. So he says, he says to the guy, he says, unless you decide the word, you won't believe. And we think, oh, great, Jesus is blowing him off. But what happens? He heals the son. In the wedding at Cana, he says to his mom, he says, what is that to me? What do I care? And then what happens? He does it, right? See, that's the thing is it's not... Because of the cross, I don't care. It's because of the cross, you're going to see something greater as I care. In both cases, it sounds like he's not going to do it, but he does it. Isn't that the whole purpose, though, is that that's our mission, is even though, yes, he there's a bigger purpose. But what are we supposed to do in the interim? Yeah, what are you supposed to do? Die? Rise? No, no, seriously. What are you supposed to do? Every day, die and rise. Every day. So how do you do that? I don't know. We'll see what God puts in your way today and how you handle it. But the whole point is, exactly what Michelle is getting at, is that whatever it is we encounter today, we know that this is where our focus is. We know that we're getting our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and for the joy set before him and the the cross, going of shame, right? We know our eyes are fixed on Jesus. We know it's because of the death and resurrection of Christ. We know we're children of God. Now, how are we going to live that out today? It's kind of hard sometimes. It's difficult, right? And that's where as the body of Christ we help each other. Sometimes being the body of Christ means that we have to help each other through physical ailments or emotional ailments or financial problems. But the whole point or the reason we're doing it is because of who God is for us in Christ Jesus. It's all because God loves you and this entire world in Christ. That's why we do everything. Everything. Everything any nickel you got in your pocket it's because God loves you and you're supposed to use it to make sure that everybody in this world knows that God loves you. That's the point. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we do that. Now, you guys perfect at that? No, no I can tell. Yeah, so not. Right? So that's, that's the daily dying and your to into self is that I don't know how to do this perfectly and even when I do know how to do it perfectly sometimes I don't want to do it perfectly. I want to do what I want to do. Okay? So this is, this is what daily repentance and living in forgiveness means is that we, we know our lives are not consistent with what we believe. But we keep saying this is who we are to be as we live. We live in light of the cross of Christ. Yeah? Okay? Any other thoughts or, or questions on that? Number one. Okay, number two. What effects miracles? And I used E instead of A because you're supposed to. What's that? Faith. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Seeing. What's that? Seeing. Seeing. Yeah, that's nice. Miracles happen to right? Yeah, they do sometimes. What effects miracles? Jesus? Yeah, that's nice. Okay. Of course, that's right, but I can't say no to that. <laughs> what makes miracles happen? God. God, that's who. What makes miracles happen? There's only one means of grace, and it is the Word. 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 It's the Word, okay? The Word of God is what makes things happen, Right? Is baptism a means of grace? Yes. Yes. Why? Because it's not plain water. It's water joined with the word. word. Is the Lord's Supper a means of grace? Why? Because it's bread and wine with with the word. If Jesus didn't say it, would it work? No. 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 Why do we believe in the real presence? Because Jesus said so. Why do we believe that baptism saves? Hmm. Because Jesus said so. Why do you believe that your sins are forgiven? Because Jesus Jesus said said so. Why do you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing have life in His name? Because He said so. so. See, His Word actually does what He says. Let me give you an example. Let there be light. And there's Light, light. Same God still speaking. When your pastor says you are forgiven, you can believe it because Jesus said so. You see, confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins. And second, that we receive absolution from our pastor as from Christ himself. Right? That's the catechism, if you haven't, if you don't remember that. We did have a suggestion to review the catechism, so we might actually do that at one point because I think that's a good idea. So this is the point, is that the, the scriptures... Okay, nobody's allowed to leave, right? You have to stick around for the end. We are not people who worship the scriptures. It's not the book. Who's the word of God? Christ, Jesus himself. Why are the scriptures true? Because they are the inspired, inerrant word of God that delivers to us Jesus. You don't start with a holy book and find Jesus in there somewhere. Right? The Holy Spirit gives you faith in Christ. And we learn to believe that this book is his word to us. See, so the word that saves you is first of all, the Son of God in flesh. And you you learn to believe every word God speaks. Every word. Right? Now, that word will kill you. Just a warning. The word of God will kill you. What do we call that? The law. The The word of God will also give you life. What do we call that? The The gospel. If you're walking around thinking, "Dude, I love me some me. I'm pretty awesome. It's about time someone walks up and... gives you some law, right? I got this church thing licked. I, I don't just go to worship, I go to Bible class. God loves me a lot. because I'm so awesome. Here we go. I don't think you've been listening. all your righteousness is like filthy rags rags. whenever you walk up to God and say look at me what's the answer law, death, condemnation whenever we look at Jesus what's the answer right righteousness, forgiveness, peace joy what we want to do is you don't walk up to God and say look at me you walk up to God and say I'm with him in Christ baptized into Christ, fed by his body and blood, listening to his word, Holy Spirit working. What affects miracles? The word of God. Hey, here's the thing. I talked to God the other day, and he's given you his word in any format you want it. He put it on your phone. He put it on your tablet. He put it in your little headphones as you're walking along the way. He gave you a book you can read. He gave you sign language if you can't hear. He gave you foreign languages if you don't speak English, which I don't understand. He even gave you English if you can't read Greek, which I really don't understand. But there you go. Okay? But the point is, He has given us His Word. We have no excuse in this. Blessed is the man who meditates on the Word of the Lord day and night. How are you doing with that? Good thing that's your forgiveness. What's that? Good thing there's forgiveness. Good thing there's forgiveness? (laughs) Blessed is the one who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. How are you doing with that? Not so good. Not so good. You still think God should bless you? Yes. Why? Because he said so. Because who's the one that meditated on the Torah Yahweh day and night? (laughs) Jesus. Who's the blessed one? Jesus. When you were baptized, you were baptized into him. You don't get blessings because you deserve them. You get blessings because God loves to give you blessings because of what Christ has done for you. Yeah? Okay? That's how miracles work. You want to get resurrected? That's the way it's going to work. Because Jesus is going to walk up one day and be like, Hey, come out. And you are going to come out. Because Jesus said so. Oh, if you didn't. Catch that. That happens in chapter 11 of this gospel. Jesus will actually walk through a grave like, hey Lazarus, uh, come out. And what does Lazarus do? He comes out. Why? Because Jesus said so. So it goes. Okay, so number three to whom do the official witness? What's that? His family. They they come along, right? They come report and say your son's better. And he goes, yay, medical science. Now what does he say? What time did that happen? And he goes, that's the same time that Jesus told me it was going to happen. Right? He points them to Christ. He, he actually takes this opportunity and says, you got to believe this guy because what he says happens. And this is really the question for us is do you believe that what Jesus says happens? Or don't you? Will you walk up to your neighbor tomorrow and say what Jesus says happens? You got to listen to this guy cuz everything he says comes true. Everything. He says some weird stuff. And I don't always understand it, but I know that every word he speaks is true. He says a lot of stuff that this society thinks is kind of old-fashioned and backwards and maybe a little judgmental. Are you going to stand up and say, I don't understand, but I know that every word he speaks is true? Well, you know, we don't believe in sin anymore. It's just kind of whatever you think, whatever you feel good. Who are you to tell me? I'm nobody, but I got this guy named Jesus and everything he says is true. Which means we listen for the good stuff. That's rejoicing the gospel. But we also have to believe when he tells us that we're wrong and we have to repent. Right? I don't get to just pick the cool words of Jesus. Like, oh, I like that one. That one makes me happy. No, every word he says is true. Every word. Okay? And faith is submitting yourself to his word. Trusting that his word is true. Doesn't matter how smart we get. His word is true. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah, Robin. So, in church, when we do the readings are, and yeah. we're supposed to say thanks be to God. Yeah. Sometimes after some of those readings, I'm like, okay. Or, or my wife, who, who kind of goes, if he says the gospel of the Lord after that reading, <laughs> this is the gospel. They're like, I don't think so. That was the law. <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's the point is, is we don't get to say, I'm not thankful for that passage. Oh, thanks be to God. As you're going, whew, I guess. Yeah, and that, that's faith, right? Faith is teach me to be thankful for even the word that kills me. Right. Over here first, and then Roger. Just thinking that that principle of <clears throat> accepting what somebody says because it comes true, we we'll, we'll use that all the time in our society. This guy, this guy can, you know, really has good information in the stock market, or this person here, you know, I'm, I want to bet on the game, or whatever mm-hmm. it is that we're choosing. I mean, mm-hmm. if we can do that with ordinary people, why not with God? So what happens when the guy who says they're going to kill me, and on three days I'm going to... And then all of a sudden he does. And then what do you do? You go, wow, he's got some good information. Right? And if that same guy says, um, just so you know, I'm coming back. And when I do, that's the end of the world. And you're either with me in heaven or you're against me in hell. If that same guy says that, maybe we got to Right? Right? Is that what you're saying? Well, all I'm saying is we, the principle of just accepting because somebody's word comes true or somebody really knows what they're talking about, that works in our society yeah. all the time. we do it all the time. That's how we figure out how to trust, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's what the scriptures are really teaching us about Jesus. He knows what he's talking about. It comes true. And this goes back to Deuteronomy, by the way. Deuteronomy 18 is if a, if a prophet says I'm speaking for the Lord but what he says doesn't come true, kill him. Because he ain't a prophet, but if what he says comes true, then you better listen, because he's speaking the very word of God. Okay, this is De- that's Deuteronomy 18. Okay, Roger. in this miracle, it says that, that the child began to get better, and mm-hmm. the other miracles they were healed immediately, 100%. It's yeah, he didn't die. Is the point? Well, I mean, I'm thinking kind of you know sometimes we get down or sick or whatever, we pray for healing. Yeah. We wanted to Yeah, we do. We down the road. Um, Michelle's a good case. Yeah. Uh, you're a good case. Uh, a good case uh, you're a case, you know. yeah. <laughs> good, might be a story. Yeah, it, it just seems odd that John, you know, he began to get better. You know, the fever left him and he began to get better. but He wasn't immediately healed like Sophie the other yeah. Mine doesn't say began. Yeah, I'll say it. that's the word began is a little goofy there. Um, I don't know how much stock I would put in that, but yeah, I think your point is well made, is that and, and I know we we talk about this in prayer a lot, is that prayer is not an opportunity to tell God how to do things or when to do them. It's not even to remind him that he should do something. It's simply it's simply for us to remember to trust in him. That he's the one that does these things. And so sometimes healing is immediate. Sometimes it takes years. And sometimes you never see it. Right? I've prayed for many, 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 many people, just like y'all have, for God to change a circumstance or to fix something or to heal something or to provide something. And he apparently was too busy. <laughs> to do what I was telling him to do. Right? Nope. You can't tell him what to do. That's right. You don't get to tell him what to do. So when it doesn't go the way I want, is my reaction to say, well, God, you stink at being God. <laughs> or is it for me to say, I just told you what I was thinking. You know, your will is definitely better than mine. Teach me to trust that The same God who loves me enough to send his son Jesus is a God God who will take care of every circumstance according to his grace and his mercy, even if it doesn't live up to what I think he ought to do. That's when faith gets hard, is when God lets you down. It's easy to believe in a God who's doing exactly what you think he ought to do, but when he does the opposite of what you think he should do? Did you read in Luke chapter 16 today in church? The Pharisees are like, Hey, we got God all figured out. He's just. And so if you do this, you get this. You do that, you get that. If you don't do that, you fail. And Jesus is like, What happens if God is unjust? What if God walks up and says, You owe this much? Cut it in half. What if God walks up and says, You owe this much? Cut it in half. What if God walks up and says, I'm going to hang out with tax collectors and sinners? Not the Pharisees. We still believe in God. And the Pharisees are like, No. No. He can't do that. What if Messiah breaks Sabbath? What if Messiah is so weak and lame that the Roman government can put him to death? Can you still believe in him? And they said, no. Jesus said, what if he rises from the dead? What if that Messiah rises from the dead? Right? Right? What if that's actually God in the flesh? The the, the Messiah that eats with tax collectors and sinners. The Messiah that forgives sinners who don't deserve it. The Messiah who heals those who don't deserve healing. The Messiah who touches those who are untouchable. The, The Messiah who is willing to be humbled and made fun of and to die at the enemy's hands. What if that's your God? See, that's the Gospels. And then what we learn is that we've been reading them all wrong because we always think we're the good guys. But what if we're the ones who don't deserve God to come to us? What if I'm the one who doesn't deserve God to come to me? What if I'm the sinner who doesn't deserve forgiveness? And the Gospels say, good news, because your God is for you. When you realize that you're a sinner who doesn't deserve anything from God, Christ is for God, I failed today. I haven't loved you. I haven't loved my neighbor. I deserve temporal and eternal punishment. Good news, God is for you. See, that's the gospel. God is for you in Christ. Okay? So that's what happens. And we just let it happen that way. Everything we do, trusting that God is for us. Okay, let's pray, and then we'll get going. Lord God, Heavenly Father, teach us to trust in your word. For in your word we read amazing promises. In your word we read things that are hard for us to deal with. Teach us to trust that our Savior Jesus Christ, your word is true. Teach us also to trust that that word reveals to us that you are a God who rejoices to forgive even sinners like us. And Lord, today, let us rejoice that your word has come to us, forgiven us all of our sins and given us the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name. Thank you all. Oh, Wednesday, Acts. We are meeting. So come to Acts.